Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. This episode of Tourpreneur is sponsored by Fair Harbor. Fair Harbor fuels the experiences of the travel industry with the most comprehensive online reservation system available for tours, activities, and attractions. Visit fairharbor.com to see why over 15,000 businesses worldwide trust Fair Harbor to better serve their customers and increase online bookings. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of Tourpreneur. This is the podcast where we flatten the learning curve for tour operators and travel professionals around the world. Today, we bring you a conversation with John Coupland. John is the tourpreneur behind John England Tours. He offers private day tours to castles and historic places in Southeast England. He operates both as a driver guide and he operates as a tour guide for private walking tours in London. One of his popular tours is actually one that takes guests to filming locations behind the TV hit series, The Crown. So we're asking quite a few questions around that as well. One of the reasons I I wanted to invite John onto Tourpreneur is he's very candid. He's very direct. He's coming at this bit later in life. So he's a different perspective. He's not coming from the travel industry. He is learning about OTAs. He's learning about booking platforms. He's working on tour design, guest experience. So this is a fun interview. I think you'll get a lot of this. And I just want to get on one of those walking tours now. So anyway, without further ado, let's cross over to John England Tours with John Coupland. How did this all get started for you? I have a love of British history. I'm not an historian at all. Never claimed to be, never will. Uh, but certainly it's a passion of mine. And of course, the history over here is very deep. An opportunity came up really in Southeast Asia, of all places. Unrelated, my family and I were in Bali and we booked a private tour guide for half a day. He was so good, we booked him for two more days. And I guess there was something that must have sparked my subconscious mind. I don't know what it is. He was completely independent, really good. And by the time we got to Singapore, you know, call it spiritual or whatever, an opportunity came up through the OTA call with locals uh, in London. They were about to launch in London. So keeping it brief, I signed up. They interviewed me, of course, and uh, signed up with them. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> And how did that come about? We haven't featured with locals much on this show. How did that come about? 
Well, for me, it, from what I can remember, um, we have relatives in Singapore, and I was in my mother-in-law's place, and oh, I don't know, something pops up my iPad. So whether my device was listening to me <laughs> in Bali, I've no idea. Good old Google, whatever you want to <laughs> look into it or take from it. Yeah, so they had already got a, a you know, just trying to answer your question, they were pretty established and still are in Southeast Asia and uh, mainland Europe. Uh, so perhaps it was slightly belated that uh, they were launching in London. So I'm going back to the autumn of 2017. London is our home. And um, so when I got back, there's just a little sub-story to that. When I told my dear wife out in Singapore, saying, hey, remember with locals? They're on the BBC travel show, you know? And she said, yeah, you know, that's sort of like 30-year-plus marriage look. You know, and said, I want to be a tour guide. And I've got another 30 year plus manager work like, you'll never do it. And of course I did. <laughs> what was it about being a tour guide that appealed to you so much? Well, I think really, Shane, it's all about people at the end of the day. It's, it, I, you know, I've been in various sectors uh, across the board and, you know, always really people customer facing. Um, obviously, you know, in this uh, context, it's more guest facing and really enjoy that and you know we've been blessed to be well traveled and uh so we have you know book tour guides in the past and um really i thought i'll give it a try you know with hindsight things just stacked up the right way because it was a good time to start you know off peak because i was learning it was a huge learning curve in terms of being an independent tour guide and delivering you know theory is one thing practicality is another how did you get from wanting to be a tour guide then to designing the tours that you have at John England Tours? I always smile when I speak to tourpreneurs because mainly we're like, yeah, you know, I just got started and I built these tours. It's like, no, 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 a lot, lot of pain, <laughs> a lot of sweat and tears went into that. And we make it sound so simple. So how did you go about designing your tours? Right. With, uh, with locals, they have a proposition called With Locals Originals Tours. So those are really where... With our feedback, they are tours where guests can choose more than one guide, not at the same time, of course. Yeah, they have a choice. So we're listed for London. It's the same principle in other cities that with locals operate at. So I signed up for a couple of walking tours to start with. And when I met the team from with locals, they're actually based in the Netherlands. They came over to London to meet us. I say, hey, look, you know, this is where I live in the suburbs of London. I have good access to the county of Kent and Sussex and other home counties and the wonderful castles that I know about and how about it because I heard that they also have another proposition where it's hosted tours now in that context is if you come up with an idea and they like the idea and you co-design it with locals it's yours it's exclusively yours in the with locals community so I came up with Heber Castle, that's the former family home of the Boleyn family, Anne Boleyn, and also Leeds Castle. And that's pretty confusing because, of course, you know, Shane, you know, you're from these parts of the UK. It's in Kent, right? This is Leeds Castle in Kent, nothing to do with the city of Leeds in Yorkshire. So I tried them both and um, I run a couple of other businesses, so there's no way I could have done it full time from the start. So launching them in the autumn and through the winter of 2017, 2018 was great and then grew it. 
and then created my own brand as well. So coming at this from a different industry, so not coming from the travel industry per se, how much support did with locals give you in terms of your tour design? Because I guess you went away and, and you built up a tour, you created it. Did with locals then come in and look at that and give you guidance or did you just jump in at the deep end? So I came up with most of the content. I won't quite claim all. They crossed the T's and dotted the I's a bit, yeah, because of course they will know what works and what doesn't in terms of copy. So yeah, it was it was really my content, you know, um, in the context of poster, i.e. personalized tours that would be mine. What I was very mindful of is that I didn't want to run before I could walk, no pun intended, okay? So for the castles and historic houses tours, which I've grown, of course, there are more now, you know, Shane, it's through experience, building up confidence, learning as we're going on. So it's a good partnership, and I like it a lot. And you probably picked up on Clubhouse. It's actually, you know, I'm pretty pro OTA. <laughs> I'm curious to know what you were sitting down sketching out your walking tours to castles and historic buildings. I imagine there was other companies doing this, right? So what was your competitive edge, would you say, John? Hand on heart, I didn't know I had one. I'm going to take a back step here and just explain something. You know, I've jumped through corporate, years and years of corporates. And I mentioned briefly that I run a couple of businesses as an entrepreneur. And um, for this... I didn't actually want it to treat it as a business. I wanted to enjoy it. And I know that's very cliche, but I actually really mean it. So the fact that I had an OTA that really cared and it was two-way dialogue, and we worked together on these initial projects and thought, let's try it, yeah, was really refreshing for me. I can be a bit stubborn <laughs> in my grand old age of... <clears throat> But I was used to also writing. Um, so in a business context, I'm actually a columnist for a publication. And so I'm sort of used to that sort of approach. And so really, I applied more or less the same methodology approach to what I was doing with the, the writing of the, you know, the contents. And so really, I guess maybe I'm in a minority here. I'd sort of like learned the other way around, if that makes any sense. I just really you know, decided to dive in the deep end. I'm not suggesting that in any way it's the best approach, but it worked for me. Sure. What were, so when you got up and running, I know we're going to share your three key learning shortly, but what were some of the barriers to getting up and running? I know you said you had great support from with locals, but what were some of the other barriers you experienced? The main one is getting to know the people who work at the various locations. Okay. So the destinations, so these tours are all private. For the walking tours in London, we don't, you know, I certainly do not go to any buildings or museums. They're all outdoors. They're walking tours. And they range from anything from two hours to maybe three, just over three hours. So that's a straight walking tour. For the historic houses and the castle tours, I'm a driver guide. And so that's a completely different dynamic. That's also private, okay? So in that context, for most of my private tours to the castles and historic houses, I don't simply drive my guests there. I actually accompany them into the castles and historic houses. I had to work on the relationship that I had 
not just with the curators in those castles and historic houses, but also the management. Because not all of them are necessarily warm to external guides. How did you build a relationship with those members of staff? It sounds really basic, but you know, obviously it's you've got to be a listener, you've got to be friendly. One has to read people in the right way. And actually, you've got to be very respectful. I knew from the start, there's no way I will be welcomed if I was a tour guide that just goes in with my guests and basically point things out and, you know, deliver a private tour without even acknowledging anybody who works there. That is a big no-no because over the years, I've got to earn good trust and rapport with some of these curators and management in the various locations, and they tell me things. And so really, not all external tour guides are accepted because some will behave better than others. This is really good feedback because we have listeners who want to build similar tours in other places around the world. And when it does come to dealing with authority or with curators, you know, we all get a little bit nervous. And I think sometimes that nerves can come across as being aloof towards the members of staff when it's not. I think it's just we have to get out of our comfort zones to go and speak to the members of staff. It's not easy. I can tell you it's not easy. You know, some will be more amenable than others out there. It's just life. And it can put people off. And I don't blame them. You know, if, let's say, your first rapport with a particular location doesn't go well, then... You know, you've got the choices to whether you persevere or you think, you know what, this is not for me. And, you know, I guess they could see my passion. And also, you know, one or two of them said that I was very grounded, you know, in terms of my approach. One castle, particularly, you know, a few months later, uh, there was a change of management. So, of course, you've got to, you know, rebuild rapport and relationships. Okay. This particular person perhaps thought, that I was going to be another external tour guide that perhaps misbehaves. He wasn't giving me the benefit of the doubts. So a meeting was booked with me, and I thought it was going to be a history-type question or something to test me into the history. And in fact, it wasn't anything like that. Um, he wanted evidence as to who I knew in the castle. Wow. I never claimed that I know everybody, but I knew a lot and still know a lot of people there and about them. It's not just about what they do as curators. I could share their story. And so he said, you're in. But I was already in. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. in terms of him, he wants to approve it himself. So that's fine. You know, you've got to respect that. Absolutely. At the end of the day, if something goes wrong, the buck stops with him. So let's change tracks a little bit here. So looking at your With Locals listing, a particular tour that I think our family would, would love to do with you is the uh, Crown Film Locations and Royal Secrets Tour, because the Crown certainly over here, is very, very popular. How did you go about designing that tour? Through my experience with another tour that I do, which is part of the With Locals Originals tour. So I've got a lot of experience by then in terms of delivering the British Royal Private Tour. And I had a few guests ask me about the Crown series. And it became very apparent in that particular private tour that they actually wanted something more specific to the story of The Crown, you know, the series that Netflix does. What I then did, same sort of approach, I knocked on with Locals Door and say, look, this is what I want to do as a personalized hosted tour. 
if I come up with the content, you'll have a look at it. And they thought it was a great idea. And they actually gave me some guidance on that. And I know somebody asked about it in terms of the copywriting, you know, and things like that. So I had some professional advice, um, but I came up with the content. So it's more bespoke to the crown. Yes. And I guess you're not using any of the images from the crown. You're not using their logos or emblems or any of their content as such. And I, I gather that by saying the crown film locations, there's no way they can say, hey, you can't do that in the same way that if it was a Harry Potter tour, Harry Potter is trademarked, right? So that would be a challenge. How many James Bond tours are there? Yeah. Who's shaken and not stirred? <laughs> so it's not like, yeah, absolutely, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, Shane. We're not using any images that we shouldn't be using. So, you know, that's a private walking tour. So it's all outdoors. We're not going into any buildings or any places that we shouldn't be going into. Yeah. I'm literally, you know, pointing out a few places. And the dialogue is incredible because... Obviously, the, the people who booked that tour with me are great fans of that series. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the very fact that you can relate to something and share opinions and views, because, of course, one thing that's very evident is it's not a documentary. But some people oh, yeah. <laughs> perhaps think it is, but it isn't. So we have a great time talking about that. It's brilliant. I just love doing that tour. You know, it's incredible. I, I haven't watched every episode, I have to say. But I, I watched the latest series because that was kind of more in my lifetime. And, you know, I, I learned things from it. Yes, I know it's dramatization. But, for instance, I didn't know that that guy broke into the palace twice. Like, I knew he'd broken once, right, Job? But I didn't know he got in there twice. And I, was, I had to go on Google and go, did that happen? Or have they just drowned? And I was like, oh, wow, he actually got in there twice. Yeah, it's, it's maddening, really, and with hindsight. Um, <laughs> but, you know, myself and the guests, when we walk through these tours and stuff, we have a good laugh, you can imagine. Even in a private tour where you've got a small group, for example, you may have a husband and wife, a couple, okay? And perhaps the wife is more in tune with the crown than her hubby. So one thing I learned very, very quickly is... You know, to be successful in this, you've got to have the good ability to read people from the start, not just what they're saying and listening to their needs and wants. It's also their body language. It's really, really important so you can deliver an exceptional tour. Yeah, I really like this concept. You know, it's funny you just mentioned James Bond tours. One of my favorite tours in London was actually one called the Intelligence Trail, which is a spy history tour and of course that guide wasn't taking me into mi5's building i didn't expect him to whisk me through the lobby of mi6 <laughs> but it was still a really fun tour because there are so many of these buildings that you know speaking in london specifically and i'm sure the same thing happens in, in new york city where you walk past the building and you have no idea of the history of that building and that was certainly the case on on the intelligence trail um and even just the other day i was reading something to do um something to do with the royals and it said prince charles lives at clarence house and i had to think i thought wait where is clarence house and i had to go on google and look at it right so even though i lived in london for years i've walked london you know there are these places that on your tour you would show me and i go oh, wow i didn't realize that so and so lived there i think that's the fun part clarence house is a good case in point 
you know, you can imagine at peak, you know, pre-pandemic, of course, you know, it gets a bit crazy in central London, July, August, September. And, you know, with the crowds outside of Buckingham Palace and and various things go on in terms of, you know, changing the guard, etc. And if it's too busy, I'll throw in a bonus. I don't call it that. That's just internal talk in my head, you know. And I'll show them Clarence House. I'll show them St. James's Palace, which is just around the corner. Little places that, you know, they perhaps didn't even think of, we don't even know. And they love that because it means it's something different, you know, as a personalised tour. Shane, I know, you know, I've listened to some of your podcasts and stuff and um, obviously seen your updates. And one thing I totally relate to is, you know, your mantra about always be learning. So I'm learning as well as I'm going along. But one thing I don't do is wing it. Like one of the other tools I, I do now is Chartwell, Churchill's you know, former family home. It's not far from where I live. We're very blessed you know, I have retirees coming from the States, also Canada and Australia. Now, they have a lot of time to read all the books. I can't compete with that. And they know mm. that, you know. Um, so I'm not going to be pretending to be something I am not. Um, but what I can do is to show them the surrounding area when I take them to Chartwell and also the house and the gardens and give them some great insights and engage them with what we call the stewards here, but the Americanized terms obviously curators. Well, John, I, I have to say I'm a history buff myself. If ever you come visit me here in Vermont, I have one room where I have over 200 books on the history of East Germany. The other room I have all my books on the history of espionage. I can read all of those here sat in Vermont, but when I stand outside the building where Philby gave the secrets to the KGB, or where someone tunneled under the Berlin Wall. That's what an experience is all about, because you can read about it, you can watch it on YouTube, and with all due respect to all the virtual tour producers out there, nothing will ever replace standing on that spot and taking it all in. I couldn't agree more, Shane. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to today's show. Stay tuned. Your search for the industry's best online reservation system is over. Fair Harbor enables thousands of tour and activity businesses across the globe with streamlined experiences that convert website visitors into paying customers to strategically increase online bookings and overall revenue. Their highly customizable cloud-based booking solutions are designed to be easy for you and your customers. Fair Harbor eases every aspect of your day-to-day -day operations through one easy-to-use dashboard. Options like custom seat maps and online seat selection can all be tailored to your unique needs, while capacity limits and contactless mobile ticket scanning help you maintain the latest safety protocols. All of this alongside Fair Harbor's best-in-class 24-7 support. Visit fairharbor.com to see why over 15,000 tour, activity and attraction businesses choose Fair Harbor. Going back to the crown, something that I've seen stateside. So I'll have to add these episodes into the show notes. We interviewed Carrie Burns, who used to run Atlanta movie tours, and Georgette Blau in New York City. And Georgette runs quite a few TV and film location tours. And she had one, which was the Sopranos tour, which was the mafia show that was on some time ago. And she actually has some of the extras 
I'm not quite sure how she managed to do it, but she had them turn up because you get on a bus and they drive you over to New Jersey and she was actually able to recruit some of the extras and that creates so much buzz with her tour. And I wonder if you'd thought of incorporating it, obviously not right now, but when we're back to business, whether you'd incorporate anything like that in your tours. I have thought of it, but for the time being, Shane, it's not for me. It may be for other people, but it's just not for me. I'm just in the space where I'm just trying to keep things simple um, so that I deliver. Whether it's something I'll look at, you know, in a sort of medium, longer term, I'm not sure. Of course, in the immediate term, I've got to think about, you know, how I rebuild post-pandemic and as we come out of the pandemic. So the priorities are going to be very different. I understand. And it's it's another layer of complexity, dealing with staff, dealing with people being there. But... You know, I I definitely think that is a cherry on the cake part of the experience as well. My thinking on that is somebody who's worked in a theatre, okay, who's got the contacts, better place in doing something like that than I am. Well, let's dig into the three key learnings that you want to share with our listeners. So first of all, you were talking about achieving outstanding reviews. How do you go about achieving outstanding reviews, John? You know, get the basics right to communicate. Absolutely key prior to the tour. Keep it brief and simple. Don't write essays that people won't read. So bullet point, things like that. I'm a firm believer of treat your guests the way you want to be treated. And that is obviously good manners. So I'm just really reminding people, look, just make sure all the basics are absolutely right, smiling and you know, being yourself, et cetera, everything that we know. Even down if you're a driver guide to opening the car doors for your guests. That may sound trivial, but it means a lot to them. And everybody works at a different pace, even when you've got a small group, in my context, a private group, yeah? So, you know, some people can stretch your patience. Just take a deep breath, you know, and move on. But being more succinct in terms of, you know, delivering outstanding reviews, I'm just coming from the angle of, look, don't be a perfectionist. You know, that will just backfire for various reasons. Be yourself. Aim to deliver a very memorable tour. Go the extra mile. Don't preempt too much. Make sure there are nice surprises in your tour. Absolutely. I can see that you have 110 reviews and they're five-star reviews. So you're obviously doing a lot of things right. Yeah, I like to think so. But, you know, Shane, one thing, and, you know, in my experience so far, and I say so far because I'm learning all the time, like I said earlier, is we can all trip up, can't we? It's easy to do, and people are very different out there. Their expectations. Now, this is a point, actually. It's also about managing people's expectations. That's really important. So even, you know, prior to booking, when I'm getting inquiries, one of the challenges that I have is, of course, you know, I've been to America a few times. It's a big country. <laughs> and so if an American family comes from a very big state, you know, they may see, oh, you know, if you left little England over to my state, it can fit God knows how many times. But as you'll know, Shane, our road system is very different So where, for example, about managing expectations from the start is I get sometimes inquiries about doing three or four castles and historic houses in a day. I won't do that 
And I'll very politely say the maximum I'll do is two. And it may surprise them, but otherwise, what's the point of booking a private tour? The last thing I want to do is to rush anyone. Yeah, and and how do you go about managing the expectation? And I'm going to focus in on the Crown Tour again. But for instance, if someone thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on this tour with this guy and he's going to get me in Buckingham Palace and he's going to get me in Kensington Palace, is that ever an issue? It generally isn't, but I've had one instance where it was. And that was actually relating to the the sister tour, the British Private Royal Tour. The guests spent red, basically, and thought Buckingham Palace was included and we never claimed that. And so she cancelled. That's fine. But no, that's the only one I can remember because, you know, the copy, for example, with locals, I feel is very good. And they have highlights that make it very easy on the eye in terms of the web. And they're the experts. Yeah, they're the experts. I I trust them on that, you know, so they know how it works. And that really works for me. So I guess my question for you is, I I get that. Uh, I like the layout of the site. It's clean. It's easy on the eye. But obviously, you have to pay a commission, right? You have to pay a revenue split to work with with locals. Have you considered building your own site so you can capture direct bookings? Yes, I'm on considering it now. Um, and it was always on my radar, but not from the start. And I smile when I say this to you because there's a big irony here is um, a lot of my background in the corporate space was in e-commerce and retailing. And I was in you know very early days of it. You know, it goes back to this thing about, you know, when I started doing private tours, although I applied what I could, what I've learned in business and my experience of booking tour guides abroad and stuff, I didn't want to treat it as a business. What I wanted to do was to deliver and enjoy delivering tours. So when I came across with locals, I was learning about this thing called OTAs. You know, Shane, I didn't even know what OTA stood for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just being honest with I you. I can believe it. Was it. A no, huge no. learning curve. I can believe but, it. But you know, my angle was great. So I don't have to pay franchise fees. I don't have to pay any licensing fees. They're trusting me. They've interviewed me because they appreciate my time in terms of coming up with some of the content. It's a mutual trust. Let's work together to make this happen, whether it's an original store or one of my own, okay? I just saw it as a partnership, as simple as that. And the very fact that, you know, I only pay them where they deliver. Shane, what more can I ask? And in fact, that's your second key learning, which is how you work with OTAs and treating them as a strategic partner. You know, full disclosure, I worked for OTAs for almost two decades. So obviously I've, I've seen both sides of this. I've seen the revenue that they can generate. I've also seen operators that have signed up with an OTA and not gotten any bookings either. And that's either because the OTA isn't marketing that area or maybe the tour is, is niche. So it's not a one size fits all with OTAs either. But I, so what I'm hearing from you, John, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that you are more focused on working on that tour experience. Totally. And especially initially. Now, during the pandemic, in terms of this particular sector, again, for obvious reasons, I've got more time. Um, so perhaps belatedly, you know, I started the network through, of course, your network, Tourpreneur, and a couple of others, and of course, Clubhouse and, and various other platforms to get to know people in the industry and to learn more, always be learning. Yes. 
for me, this is where I've sort of learned the other way around. And it's actually been a joy. Um, not for the right reasons, of course. You know, the tours have stopped. I'd, I'd rather be delivering tours. Um, but, you know, I just embraced it. Just to give you a case in point, I'll be developing a website of some sort, hopefully this summer, because one of the challenges is where you want to form your own partnerships. It's much easier to do it, of course, through your own domain. And that's what I wanted to do in the long run anyway, but it just wasn't something that I wanted to do initially. And have you researched booking platforms yet? Yes, I have. What's... <laughs> Very interesting journey so far. My goodness. How has that been for you? Challenging. Yeah. So we got with locals and they don't do APIs for the time being on Book It Flat platform. So, you know, that's fine with me in terms of doing availability and whatnot on their platform. Um, I'm also with uh, Viator, and of course, everybody knows, or most people know, they're owned by TripAdvisor Experiences. So I joined them, you know, spring or summer of 2018. So started with zero reviews and to build that up, of course, um, in their criteria. And of course, that's a very different dynamic in terms of partnership for reasons you will know. And um, and then I signed up with Expedia. They wanted me on. Okay, so um, we're talking about reviews. OTAs here rather than booking platforms. Very challenging because, of course, to keep it generic, because I don't want to name names in terms of booking platforms, but I'm speaking to a handful of them. And one or two of them, Look, I don't want to, you know, to use a platform that is like a sledgehammer to crack a nut. I just want to keep it simple with the bells and whistles that will help me spend the least amount of time working things out. Sure. So a nice, clean, easy, simple platform. Absolutely. But they need to talk, of course. That platform needs to talk to the OTAs and, of course, my website, okay, when that's launched. And as you know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to, not all of these booking platforms speak to the OTAs. Yeah, because some of them don't have APIs, some of them do. So that's a huge challenge. So is that number one for you? Is that when you're shopping, is that your number one concern when you're speaking to a booking platform? Like, yeah, you need to be able to talk to these OTAs. Yes, but I'm trying to be realistic and I've accepted that I'm not going to get the one out there that's going to speak to all of them. Now, when I say all, I'm trying to keep it tight, by the way. You know, I don't spray and pray, basically. You know, these are private, you know, curated tours. But it's got to work for me as well to, you know, when the tours come back, again, I want to be delivering tours and enjoy doing that. I don't want to be sat in front of a laptop trying to work things out. How close are you to making a decision on who you're going to pick? Uh, whittle it down to at least two, possibly three in my short list, but I've, I've still got some outstanding questions. One of which is cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? No, no, absolutely. No, it would, it would be fun to chat with you and maybe a, a round table with other tour operators in, in a similar position once you've made your decision, because of course I hear all the sales pitches, right? I get all the promotional bump from all the booking platforms. I see them all. But when you are a tourpreneur about to make that decision, it's very, very difficult because everyone is telling you they're the best. Everyone is telling you it's easy and seamless and it'll give you no headaches and it does everything you need. Absolutely, Shane. And again, you know, I'm just trying to keep it brief because I don't want to name names or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fine. Uh, sit here and criticize anyone. It's my challenge. I'm accountable and I'll see it through. 
But it's a challenge for the whole industry, particularly for our listeners who are small to medium size. It's a potential minefield. And that's why we have the Meet the ResTech series on Tourpreneur, where we have the ResTech, a customer and a shopper, to try and share the information and eradicate the sales noise and actually get to, you know, let's have a look under the hood. What does your booking platform actually do? How is it going to help me? What problems is it going to solve? It's a huge decision to make. It's the plumbing for your whole website. I mean, I'm using one already. It's okay. But whether it's going to do what I want to do in the future is another matter. So at least I've got some experience in terms of using a particular you know, booking platform behind the scenes. Interesting journey so far. <laughs> your third and final piece of advice was never let others pressure you into doing things your gut tells you otherwise. There's a lot of BS out there. I'm intrigued, John. How do you mean exactly? You know, I picked up, for example, Shane, in one of your very recent podcasts that um, your background's in sales, yeah? And as you'll know, my background's in sales, and as you know, one of the very important criteria is to qualify, yeah? Listen and qualify. It sounds very basic, but I think there's a lack of that. There's uh, assumptions that people are either doing X or not doing Y, and then some it's preaching. What I want to balance it with is absolutely, there's a lot of giving out there. And I really relate to that and respect that, especially at this time. But it's for those who, let's say a web agency to really cut through the noise and say, you know, what works and what doesn't, but with some evidence, why do they not bring up one or two of their clients up on stage? Instead of just telling us how wonderful they are, yeah, why do they not bring up a couple of clients who can tell us with them what has worked in their story? That's very rare. I hear you. And I've said this on air before. I, and I often think that's because a lot of these events, they just have 20 minutes to speak to us. And it's very difficult to pack everything into that 20 minutes. And I see a lot of these events that the sessions are just too short. They are, but to, to challenge that bit, why can't they do their own? Agencies are good marketers, so show us how you market. You know, I'm not saying that popping on somebody else's expo online, offline is the wrong thing. But alongside that, if they're so expert in Google and stuff, they wouldn't have a problem reaching out to us. And then they're going to have a couple of clients for an hour's webinar. That's a point of difference to me. I'll hop on it. I may even pay some money for it. Yeah. And uh, I think you bang on with that. I guess it comes down to, and I can't speak, I know we're using marketing agents here, but they're busy working with their customers. They don't have time to run a webinar. I get that. You know, you don't just hit a button and suddenly you create a webinar. Even to come on the show, right? I get besieged by tech companies who want to come on Torpreneur because obviously there's not many places where you can go and get access to, I mean, we're almost at 150,000 downloads of the show now. And I always say, yeah, give me three references of existing tour operators. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I don't get a reply back, John. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, Shane. It's a frustration of mine. It doesn't mean I don't value what's being shared, but I mean, you know, it's just overwhelming. And I know I'm not the only one who's saying that. It's just very overwhelming. No, I, and this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you today, because you are coming at this almost from outside the industry. So you're... I'm really curious to know when I see events being put on and the participation rate or the attendance rate is low. Well, my suggestions as follows. So on Facebook, 
Uh, maybe it was a bit of luck, but I was actually, Facebook did a campaign and I was able to actually speak to a Facebook specialist who works for Facebook back in of last year, three one-hour phone calls for free. Now, they reached out to me. I'm not saying I'm a big player. I'm not. But I had a lot of respect for that. And I asked the, the specialist a couple of questions, not to catch her out. She took it away and came back to me and answered those questions for a particular campaign I want to do. Wow. Dude. That's what I mean by the bars being raised. And these agencies need to know it because Facebook is competing with them. Who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to an agency that talks a lot of baloney or hot air or the same samey thing for 20 minutes? Or am I going to spend three hours with Facebook doing it for free? It's a no-brainer. I get it. But I also do understand from the agencies, and again, we're using agencies here. It, it's a time, it's a bandwidth thing. They don't have you know massive teams of people to do that. I get it. And it's hard for them as well because... It is. It is hard. I know. You know, I'm quoting that number, right? Let's say it's three grand a month retainer. Most of us don't have that money, John. Even in the good times. Not now. <laughs> well, even in the good times, right? Even in the good times to spend. It's oh, crazy. John, that three grand is just for the expert advice. That's not for your ad campaign. So there's that on top, right? <laughs> My final piece of advice on this, and it's to any entrepreneur, not just in tours, but go get references. Do your due diligence before you spend money with anybody. Because I, I tell you what, John, you know, you don't want to name names on here. And I certainly don't want to do that. I get tons of emails from tourpreneurs who are like, I just bought this or I just hired that company and I feel ripped off. I didn't get value, et cetera, et cetera. And my heart goes out to those tourpreneurs because as I just said, we don't have reservoirs of cash to waste on those kinds of things. So please, you know, ask for three references and if they can't give you at least three references, then you have to ask yourself, is that company worth working with? Absolutely. And I relate to what you just said, Shane, because running a business network, which is unrelated to the sector, I get the same as well. As we wrap up here, where can people find your tours online, John? If you want to book a tour for the time being, you can engage with me on my Facebook page. That's John England Tours. Just search John England Tours. And, you know, because they're private tours, you ask me what you want. It's, it's in England, Southeast England. And with locals, of course, I believe you've got the link, Shane. Yes, and I will add those to today's show notes, which you can find at tourpreneur.com forward slash 151. Well, I hope it's not too long before you and I can share a beer or a Guinness in, in London town, sir. <laughs> that would be lovely, Shane. I look forward to that. Thanks for coming on, John. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.